Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I am COVID John Martin. COVID John Martin. <laughs> you going to change your name officially? Yeah, no, I'm not. That's good. I'm Thank thinking about work. some other things, though. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we are uh, in a new studio today. Yeah, man, we uh, got it going on. We're uh, abiding by the 10 persons or less rule. Um, we know, didn't allow the uh, audience to come today. That's right. We didn't allow the audience to come today. And John's multiple personalities has, has uh, kicked down a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. um, oh god! But we wanted to continue on uh, with uh, with our podcast and maybe give you a break from all the uh, the quarantine nonsense. And uh, we, is it nonsense? I don't. I didn't mean like nonsense <laughs> as in it's not necessary. Do you you don't believe in it? It's all a hoax. <laughs> it's a hoax. Oh gosh. Um, well, uh, we do appreciate that. I don't. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> kind of all out of, all out of whack. This here. is the way life is right now, yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. So, what day is it? <laughs> today is Thursday. Today is Thursday. All right. Yeah. Well, we are recording early then. Yeah. Today's um, Thursday. Man, people are here for this hard hit analysis. Yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. Well, we wanted to uh, talk to you today about preaching. Yeah. We initially thought about we'd continue this talking about how you respond to the coronavirus right. thing, but but we don't know. And we're kind of I'm, we're kind of uh, exhausted trying to figure it out ourselves, yeah, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. why would we try to tell you what to do when we don't know what to do, that's, right? That's so a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> so we thought we'd talk about something we do know a little bit about, maybe, uh, yeah. hopefully. You be the judge of that. That's right. Well, that's, that's talking about preaching. Yep. So we've started this new series where we're kind of trying to dive into different types or different styles of preaching. Mm-hmm. And we started uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a, few weeks a month ago, ago or so. We started with uh, topical preaching, and we. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started there and told you guys that that's not that's not our typical style, uh-huh. and so but we we think we were fair to it. We I, think, I think we think were so. fair uh-huh. to it, and yeah. so today we're going to talk about another style uh, that uh, is not our typical style. Mm-hmm. We will say neither one of us, but uh, but it is textual preaching, and uh, we're going to define textual preaching in just a moment. But I had to uh, I had to clarify with Ryan what we were talking about yeah. because mm-hmm. we're coming up with so many different titles of preaching mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. Um, I just recently read a book called Text Driven Preaching, right? Which I wasn't so sure if text driven preaching and textual <laughs> preaching was the same thing, right. but apparently it's not. It's right? not so right, text driven no. preaching. Is more like expository preaching, right, yeah. uh, which textual preaching is not. That's right, and even uh, this that that idea of textual preaching. Uh, if you read any preaching book on on textual preaching or on preaching styles, they'll tell you that even since this term was uh, was coined, uh, it is just shifted because it's so hard to really nail down what is yeah. that, what is textual preaching. And I've read some things too that will say uh, that, that will say textual preaching is just a subset. Of expository preaching, right. they don't even put it in its yeah. own category. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and really, you could say uh, some people could say that textual preaching is a form of topical preaching. That's right. right? So really, it's yeah. a mediated view, uh, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. has its distinct characteristics. So, so whenever whenever you read, uh, I think this is a good a good question for us to ask. We haven't thought about it yet, but whenever you read a Spurgeon sermon, mm-hmm. do you come to the end of it and go uh, that was expository, mm-hmm. or do you come to the end of it and go that was topical? Yeah, so most of the time, 
that's where I would say it was textual, right? Right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I mean, if you had to put it on the yeah, spectrum, I would say it leans more toward topical. Yeah, I would too. Mm-hmm. I would too. Which I've always, I don't know. I, Spurgeon. I enjoy reading Spurgeon, mm-hmm. but I want to think of Spurgeon as expository right. because that's what I prefer. Right. Uh, but really and truly, Spurgeon probably leaned more toward the topical than he did yeah, expository yeah. because fact, he preached uh, textual. Yeah, and in fact, several uh, Spurgeon. Scholars that I, I know would say when it comes to preaching, Spurgeon is our hero, but not our example. Yeah, right? yeah. Even he's with the his prince sermon, of preaching. That's right? right. Even with his sermon preparation, right? Nobody would yeah, say, yeah. "Hey, you need to do like Spurgeon does and just start Saturday night yeah, before." Yeah. That's before right. Sunday. Yeah, that's a good word there. Yeah. yeah, but Spurgeon is a great example of what textual preaching looks like. But mm-hmm. uh, but we definitely need to define it right. So right. once you lead us into a definition, uh, are you ready? I, I am uh, <laughs> as ready as I'll ever be. All right, lead us into a definition of textual preaching so that we can kind of uh, use that as our measuring stick, and then and then we're going to come and talk about some advantages to textual preaching. We're going to talk about some disadvantages to textual preaching as well. So go ahead. All right, this, uh, this is Clarence Rodney's uh, definition of textual preaching. He says this, A textual sermon is one in which both the topic and divisions of development are derived from and follow the order of the text. The text controls and dominates both topic and development in this type. So that needs a little bit of explaining because essentially what he's saying is textual sermons will take one text. Yeah. And when we say text, we don't mean passage. We right. mean one verse. Right, right. right. Uh, or even smaller than a verse. Right, smaller than a verse. One text. <clears throat> and then the divisions of the sermon come from that statement. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. for example, I would preach John's statement uh, where he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes right, away the sins right. of the world. And I would divide that statement into three or four parts and preach just that statement. Right, exactly. That would be textual preaching. Yeah, or you mentioned another example earlier uh, before we started recording, uh, like the the Ten Commandments, for example. You're not going to take the passage of the Ten Commandments. It would be difficult to preach the whole thing Mm -hmm. at once. But you could take the First Commandment, Mm -hmm. the Second Commandment, and and so that's kind of more of a textual approach exactly. to, uh, mm-hmm. to 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 teaching. So, uh, and we recognize that this is not uh, this is not mine or Ryan's preference, but uh, but there are people. Criswell was another example yeah, yeah, that preached this way. There there are a lot of uh, guys who do this and do this well. So we want to point to some of the advantages that we see inside of uh, textual preaching. All right. So first off, one of the first advantages, and these come from. Um, a guy named Andrew. I can't read John's writing. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in show notes. That's Believe right. that. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so he gives four advantages to uh, to textual preaching. The first one is it fixes attention to one part of the scripture. Yeah. So I would say even going back to your example of behold the Lamb of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we would we would we would take some time and we would we would preach on the Lamb of God. What does that mean, right? What is being said? by that particular, the Lamb of God, right? right. What is the significance of the Lamb mm-hmm. of God? And you may go other places even mm-hmm. right. to help support that idea, mm-hmm. but you're but you're pulling the, the idea from a particular part of a verse of Scripture itself. Right, that's what the spotlight is shown on. Right. And it's illuminating that one aspect of Scripture. Yeah, which I would say this advantage, some would say it, lean, it lean, lean, leans? Leans, leans. <laughs> Whatever itself into a what we would call a deeper study of the word. Right. So mm-hmm. people say, "I want a deep Bible study." Mm-hmm. They really want word for word textual mm-hmm. preaching. Right. 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 Which, which in some ways you can you can uh, you can find some gold nuggets. 
That's right. So a second advantage of this is that it's easy to prepare. Yeah, so uh, what you're saying is is that we take expository preaching, for example. When you're, when you're doing an exposition of a passage of Scripture, you may be dealing with 5, 10, 15 verses of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So you're going you're gonna to pour deeply into the study of that word. You're going you're gonna to look at several different commentaries, right? You're going to look at word studies and right. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that can be more time-consuming, right. can be more time-consuming than simply focusing on the Lamb of God, right? right? Yeah. So it's easier to prepare in the sense that you're being you're being more micro, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You're focusing on that one particular idea, right? And also, when you figure out what this statement means, the rest of your sermon application is is just that application, right? Right. right. So yeah. you spend less time on uh, on understanding because yeah, you yeah, come yeah. to that understanding quicker. Then you can spend more time on application and bringing yeah. it into the the present day setting. So it can become easier to prepare. Yeah, and, and application for many is easier than than the uh, the biblical preparation right. ex- exposition. True. Yeah. So True. Uh, fixes attention on one part of scripture. It's easier to prepare. And the third one that we have written down here says that hearers uh, can follow the textual sermon. With ease, mm-hmm. so you know. Sometimes, even even I, I get to the end of my sermon, and I'm trying to make a conclusion, and I want to I want to repeat all of my points that I've made so yeah. far, and I can't even remember them, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I'm the one that's prepared them all week. Uh, where where your hearers are hearing you focus just on the Lamb of God, right. by the end of your passage, by the end of your preaching, excuse me, they know. And they can follow the textual point of yeah. that verse or that part of that verse that you used. Yeah, John brought us uh, in his handbook on uh, homiletics. He uh, he presents textual preaching and speaks highly of it uh, in a modified version. And this is what he says: He says it's always pleasing when affected without artificiality to see the lines of development kept within the limits of the text. Mm, so it's a very mm-hmm. pleasing thing when a, when yeah. a preacher can take one text and bring out the, the truths of it in a way that's not artificial. You're not forcing it on the text. You're just letting the text shine. And your, your yeah. hearers will appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. So I think it, it is easier for those that are listening to hear and be able to walk away with an understanding of what has been preached about, what has been covered. Mm-hmm. So the fourth advantage that we have uh, written down here is that uh, it brings the hearer close to the heart of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's gonna. It's. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna expand on that, John. I guess you're letting me do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's really. It's. It's. It, what it's doing is it's shining light. On the Bible itself, it's allowing the text to drive the sermon. To uh, to the, the whole sermon is built around what the Word has said, and in that sense, uh, Blackwood is his name—the name that I couldn't read. Blackwood. Uh, Blackwood. Mm, that looks just like um, Blackwood. It sure does. <laughs> um, he he's saying that is the heart of the Bible is yeah, allowing the yeah. text to speak for itself, yeah. and, and textual preaching highlights one text. Sure, and we would say. We would say yes, it does, but we also would say so does expository right, preaching, exactly, right? Yeah. We would agree with, with that. That is an advantage for both of those. But uh, So it brings the hearer close to the heart of the Bible. It, it, it allows the hearers to be able to follow the textual sermon with a greater ease. It's easier to prepare, and it fixes the attention of the one listening on a specific part of Scripture. So those are some advantages that uh, that we have to textual preaching. And so now we're going to dive into a full we have four advantages. We're going to dive into four disadvantages as well. And uh, and the first disadvantage is is that textual preaching does not lend itself to every passage of scripture. Yeah, not every passage of scripture is good to do a textual sermon on. Yeah, 
uh, right? We don't want to. Judas went and hung himself. Yeah, right. I have a whole what, sermon on that. What does it mean that Judas? Well, did I, it? and I really don't understand how how you would do it with most narratives. Yeah, narrative right? is going to be very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it it would it would be it would be difficult, near impossible to preach each individual text in scripture sure, sure. Uh, throughout. That would be a very difficult thing to do, and probably not super wise. Right? We can right, think of some right, texts right. in scriptures that you don't want to build a whole sermon on. Yeah. Yeah, and then there are those that lend. Going back to the advantages, there are those that that you know lend itself that way. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, we mentioned the the Ten Commandments. That one most naturally yeah. lends itself mm-hmm. that way. Uh, the one that you used earlier, you know, behold the Lamb of right, God. Yeah. But, but we also have said earlier the the seven sayings of the cross. Yeah. You know, those little uh, those little spurts of Jesus's words there. Those are important, especially this time of year as we think about them. But not every passage lends itself uh, that way, and so we need to be careful. If we're going to use textual preaching, that's that's good. It's okay, uh, but we need to be careful that we don't force ourselves into textual preaching, yeah. and then therefore force a passage of scripture that doesn't need to be taught that that's way. Right. So, that's right. And that and that brings up the second point. It can be segmented. That's right. So when we're preaching just one aspect of, of scripture, it can be easy to kind of take it out of context, right? Uh, to separate it. From the verses before and the verses after. So right. take our example that we've been using, Behold the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's saying that? Right. Why yeah. are they saying that? Yeah. Uh, we can we can preach that passage in such a way that we we lose the rich narrative that sure. that passage is. Sure. Yeah. And and textual preaching can can turn out to be more segmented and really lose the whole scope of the Bible. Yeah, and this is this is something we we're gonna talk about context every time we talk about preaching. It is it is just as possible to have a segmented expository pre- preaching yeah, as well. Uh-huh. It's 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 possible to take five or ten verses out of context, mm-hmm. just as much as it is to take one or two words out of context. Yeah. So this is one of those things that's possible. Uh, the segmented passage, a segmented preaching, is possible for all of our yeah, styles. And I think uh, you, most people don't realize this, but the uh, the chapter divisions and the verse divisions of the Bible yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah. added until right. like the eleven hundreds. Right. Uh, they were not. They were not a. They, they were not in the original uh, manuscript. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, and and none of us in here. I don't think anybody would be like, yeah, we need to get rid of those. Those are so <laughs> yeah. convenient for yeah. us. Yeah. Whether it's in our own personal personal reading, especially when it's in preaching. I don't know about John, but you know, I got a Bible a while back that was one paragraph instead of two paragraphs, like mm-hmm, most Bibles, mm-hmm. and I can't preach out of it. Yeah, I can't sure. find my place. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I'm so used to preaching out of a, out of, out of two a column. in a two-column Bible that is separated by chapters and verses. That's so helpful. Yeah. But those chapter divisions and those verse divisions, they, they can help present this segmented Bible. Right, it Intentional does. preaching, what it's doing is it's it's zeroing in on a statement. Yeah. And because we're zeroing in so close, we can miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. You know, we have a great example of this. I think just this last week I preached on, um, I think this was last week. I'm so confused on what I preached when. But it was Ananias and Sapphira, uh-huh. you know, and I compared it to the offering of Barnabas. And yeah. one of our friends said, I've never thought about yeah. mm-hmm. Barnabas' offering being good, their offering being bad. Yeah. And most of us haven't because that chapter division is That's between. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a chapter division between those two mm-hmm. accounts, and uh, and so we can allow those those chapter divisions to segment the word right. from That's each right. other. And one so, of the, one of the best advices I got was when I was in uh, I was taking New Testament in seminary, and uh, our professor came in and and uh, he lectured specifically on the Gospels, mm-hmm. and he said when you're reading the Gospels, you have to ask the question, why is this narrative where it's at? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what what came before it? What Between came the after? A and the T. Why is it? Yeah, why is it there? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you so don't end a sentence with a hat. Come on, John. 
Come on, John. Uh, so why why is this passage where uh, it is? Um, <laughs> it's not any better. How you like that? <laughs> All right. Uh, so wherefore is why this passage? Why is it there? Yeah, okay. Uh, so where forth is this passage? And, and finding out the context of yeah, it. Textual yeah. preaching is good and ought to be used, but we want it, we don't want to disadvantage our hearers into making them think that the Bible is just a group of stories or a right. group of passages. Yeah. It does have one comprehensive message, sure. which leads then into our third disadvantage. Yeah, so a third disadvantage that uh, we've written down here is that uh, it, it, it brings up a question about the whole council. Yeah. So, And I have this question, too, uh, in, in, in preaching not only textual but also some explanation expository preaching as well if you if you spend uh you know six years on the gospel of matthew you're you're missing a whole council picture if that's the only opportunity that you have to preach to your people Mm -hmm. if if you preach the first chapter of matthew Mm -hmm. in six years because you've so segmented it we'll say you've so separated into word 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 Mm -hmm. word uh then uh then you're missing the whole council there's a question Mm -hmm. of are you are you covering the whole council of Scripture? And mm-hmm. so that can be a disadvantage that you're not actually doing that when you so divide up the Word yeah. and preach it. You know, microscopes are great. That's uh, exactly right. They're great right. for yeah. biology. Yeah. They're great for studying things that we cannot see with our natural eyes. Yeah. Telescopes are great. You know, right? we, sure. can, we can use telescopes to view the stars, all that right. other good stuff. But if you walk around with glasses that are just telescopes or yeah. glasses yeah. that are just uh, microscopes, yeah. then, then you're in trouble, right? You're not sure. seeing reality. And so we want to make sure that whatever style of preaching we're doing, whether it be textual, expository, topical, mm-hmm. or whatever we're doing, we're not uh, we're not uh, just zooming in on one aspect, yeah. but we're seeing the entire counsel of God. Yeah, it's wise. And I, and I know, you know, most of us uh, before now, most of us have multiple opportunities with our people. Yeah. So it's possible that you're that you're in New Testament on Sunday morning, Old Testament on Sunday yeah. night, mm-hmm. and doing something different on Wednesday. But now that's not as much possible. But uh, but it was at one time. So you could still do the whole council in your different opportunities. But I would just say be careful not to not to tie yourself into a particular chapter of the Bible for for years to come. Yep. So. Yep. That's what's that. Um, the last disadvantage would be subjective. Yeah, so what we're saying here is that, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to just pick those two words or those three words and make it, again, kind of similar to the second disadvantage, to make it what you want it to be yeah. rather than what the context demands from it. That's right. Uh, so just recently today I saw someone uh, ask a question uh, pointing to Ezekiel about uh, about priests not going into the temple uh being drunk with wine, right? Yeah, and they said, uh, since we are the temple of God, this means you can't. Does this mean you can't drink alcohol? Yeah, uh, and, and that would you know? Could you imagine preaching that sermon yeah. as that? Yeah, that's yeah. not what that passage is talking about. Right, right. Uh, there's some great truths we can draw from that passage, but if we take that passage and we have a pet peeve or we have a point we want to make, mm-hmm. and we let the point drive the sermon, yeah. and we use the passage as as uh, barriers or, right. or we use the passage as a buttress to hold up our point, sure. then we're, we got the cart before the horse there. That's right. That's right. So we want to yeah. make sure that whether we're textual, whether we're expository, whether we're topical, whatever yeah. we're doing... We're not just being subjective. We're not just letting our point come across, yeah. which is very, uh, which is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So that's uh, that's four disadvantages. We gave four advantages. Let's just uh, kind of leave uh, leave this subject with giving some guidelines. Maybe here's some guidelines that we think are necessary if you're going to preach textual that you need to maintain. The first one is just very simply: if you're going to preach textual make sure you're using the text inside of the context. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Secondly, uh, if you're going to if you're going to teach textual, then you need to be sure that you're using textual 
sparingly Mm -hmm. and strategically, like what we're talking about. The seven sayings of the cross, that would be great for right now, Mm -hmm. right? But it doesn't mean you need to stay there forever. Right. Uh, So those are two two guidelines that I think are useful for us as we think about textual preaching, how we do it, context, and when we should do it uh, strategically and sparingly. Yeah, and I would say, you know, preaching like anything else, it's a diet. It's a spiritual diet. And if we have the same thing every day, that right. same thing can get boring. Sure. So we want to we want to you know shake things up every once in a while. Try something new for yourself. Yeah. You know? uh, that'll that'll make your preaching better. If sure. out of nowhere sure. you you try to do a, t- a textual sermon that you've never done before, right? Um, these things will help us become better preachers. It will help our people to become better Christians. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you, uh, toss in a textual sermon every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, toss in a topical sermon if you're a, if you're mainly an expositor. Uh, try th- try these different methods because we never know uh, what the Lord is going to use uh, to change someone's life, and that's ultimately what preaching is about. Sure, sounds good. All right, John, what are you what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading old old Edwards, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, yeah. How are you uh, enjoying that? It's uh, it's okay. I sent you a cheat. sheet. You did send me a cheat sheet, which that 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 cheat sheet is obvious. He gives you the headlines. There's yeah. no doubt about it. He gives you the outline of he, what he's trying to do. He tells you what he's saying. Yeah, and so, uh, but uh, pushing through that, I'm yeah. almost finished with Mississippi Mud. I've been reading it for a while, yeah. but I'm uh, I'm I'm almost done with it. And uh, praying with Paul. Mm-hmm. You've, you have you read Carson's uh, Praying with Paul? Not. Uh, that's on my that's that, that's on my desk right now as well. So mm-hmm. I'm reading those. Uh, that's what I got. What you got? Fun, fun. Well, I just printed finished up this morning. Uh, Fundamentalism in American Culture by George Marsden, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. Uh, anything by George Mars- Marsden is great, uh, but he does a great job of, of telling American history being being fair with American religious history uh, and, and giving such great insights to that. I finished that up this morning, and now I'm reading Jonathan Edwards' The Dissertation, the dissertation for Which God Created the World. That sounds so, awesome. And then Charity with Its Fruits. Charity and Its Fruits are next. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I got the Lords of North sitting on my bedside. The Lords of North. When I finish, uh, when I finish the uh, Mississippi Mud, I'm going to the Lords of the North. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna. These two uh, Edwards books are the last ones for my doctrinal seminar that's coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I finish that, I'm picking up a novel. Yeah, just happening. I got to have a little uh, cleanser. I saw uh, a friend of ours, uh, and I'd also seen where. uh, Russell Moore uh, was reading it. Micah Carter put a Facebook video on today. Did you see that? Uh, and he he's got, he's reading the brothers Kosolov, Karamazov, Kar- Karamazov. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, it's written uh, by Russian the brothers. K. Yeah, yeah. Dostoevsky. So uh, so Russell <laughs> Russell. I don't know what it is. I can't. Yeah. Say that. So uh, Russell Moore has Theodore. Uh, apparently, it's a pretty significant yeah, it is. It's book, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. Micah Carter was talking about reading through it, and uh, Russell Moore did this week as well. So uh, I thought maybe one day I might pick it up. Yeah, I have it. Uh, if you don't like Edwards, you'll struggle with that one. Really? I, yeah, I mean, it's it's a thick book. It's good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's really I'm good. not opposed to thick. Uh, I would say— It's it, a Russian author. Yeah, it's a Russian author, and if you like Russian literature, that's— I don't know that I read Russian literature. Ah, it's just got a, it's got a distinct flavor. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that one's good. Also, um, Fyodor wrote Crime and Punishment. Which okay, is a smaller yeah, yeah. book, but it'll give you a taste of what Russian literature is like. Well, maybe I need to start there. Uh, but I would say, listen, pick up the Brothers K. Um, yep. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Anything else? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us. If you like our podcast, please, indeed, like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Uh, share us with a friend. Join our new Facebook group uh, as we uh, as we uh, jump in there and have some good conversations. And hey, we, we'll need, we do need to talk week. about our uh, little contest. Yeah. 
Oh, I won. Uh, you did last week, but I won the week before, brother. I don't don't well, skew it. Don't say I, I won. You you told them so, last week that you won. Yeah, so I'm just saying it's one to one. We need to come up with another one. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do there, right. and maybe you can give us some uh, some suggestions <laughs> in our Facebook group. Uh, we will see you next time. Until then, keep loving your imperfect church, and remember, one day she will be perfected in the Lord.